We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, this is Stephen Haglin, the host of the Guilty as Charged podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and supporting the show. As always, we do appreciate any ratings, reviews, likes, subscribes, comments on any podcast platform, including YouTube. And I want to start today off by giving a shout out to one of our sponsors, The Backroom Collection. You can find him on Twitter at The Backroom COL2. Again, that's The Backroom COL2. He has been putting out some fire chargers prints, and I think any football fan should check him out and be able to upgrade their man cave, their workout you know, situation, their home office, their actual office. Check him out online, thebackroomcollection.net. If you use the code GAC, that's G-A-C, on your first purchase, you get 10% off. He is even going to be able to attend a Justin Herbert signing. He's got a bunch of Justin Herbert prints that he will have signed by the man himself. Again, use the code GAC for 10% off at thebackroomcollection.net. Thank you so much for supporting him and our show. That being said, let's get to it. Hey, Chargers fans, welcome into the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven. I'm your host. Happy to be joined for our week four preview series by Raiders insider Vincent Bonsignor. Vincent, of course, covers the Raiders for Vegas Nation and R&R 920 AM. Vincent, thanks for taking the time to join me. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, but it's Vinny, if you mind. You know, uh, Vinny. We're, we're friends. So, uh, so Vincenzo, <laughs> Vincenzo, uh, I, I hear it all. But yeah, Vinny's cool, man. There we go. Sounds good. You can follow Vincent at Vinny. Let me make sure, maybe make sure I get this right again. At Vinny Bonsignor on Twitter. So uh, great insight for Raiders uh, Intel, if you will. And we're going to get started today with our week four preview. Uh, Vinny, I think it's only right that we start with Derek Carr today because uh, it, it's been pretty surprising, you know, from the outside looking in the amount of deep passes that the Raiders are uh, throwing this year and the amount of success that Derek Carr has had. I know Chargers fans are going to hate me for this. I've always felt like Derek Carr is very underrated. I feel like he's a very, uh, you know, top 12-ish quarterback, in my opinion. Um, What's been different for him this year? And do you think the Raiders will be able to sustain it throughout the season? I think what's different for him is 
the level of talent around him um, and the depth of the level of talent around him. You know, you mentioned uh, stretching the ball uh, or stretching the field, throwing the ball downfield. Um, you know, I know that that's been a constant or reoccurring criticism of, of Derek Carr, but knowing Derek, um, right. he's not somebody that is going to just throw it deep because Charlie in section 300 is saying <laughs> throw the ball deep. Uh, there usually has to be something um, prudent behind that. And the fact of the matter is, you know, uh, trust me on this one. I don't think I know that he didn't really have uh, a lot of trust uh, these last few years um, in, in who was on the other end of those potential long balls. So um, he wasn't going to force it just because somebody told him to do it. It had to be something that made sense to him and had a high degree of success rate. Uh, for him to do that. And quite frankly, he didn't really feel good about, you know, what he was working with in that regard. So he did the next best thing, which is finding open men, um, open, open targets, um, you know, uh, in, in shorter patterns and and that sort of thing. But it was never, ever a case of Derek Carr was scared to throw the ball downfield or that Derek Carr got hurt in 2016. And so he was never going to throw the ball again or, you know, have the, uh, the guts to stand in there and, and, you know, uh, let it play out. Um, It was, he didn't forget how to do it or anything like that. It was literally, he needed to know that, you know, he had the talent around him to to do that. Now you look at Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards is emerging that it it really kind of started last year with Nelson Aguilar um, and a little bit of Henry Ruggs when he was healthy. Um, But it's definitely carried into this year. There's a chemistry that's being developed with him and Henry and Brian uh, obviously, Darren Waller uh, can can go get it in, in all types of different ways. So I think that's uh, been the biggest part of it is that he just has more confidence than the other guys. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, that implies that you know Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards have really taken taken big steps forward in their development. Is that something that you expect to continue throughout the year? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, and and in fact, I think that you're probably going to start seeing them more involved earlier um if you look at uh especially brian edwards right. he leads the nfl in yards uh in the fourth quarter and overtime now granted the raiders oh, have wow. played two two overtimes yeah. so <laughs> uh, that that tends to skew things but the fact of the matter is in overtime he he has emerged as a uh, a big time go-to uh uh you know candidate for for Derek carr and there's really no reason to think that that can't be happening earlier in the games. I talked to John Gruden about it earlier this week. Um, and he mentioned that, you know, between himself doing things that he can to try to get these guys uh, involved earlier in the game, but also some of the onus is on the players themselves. They got to make themselves available uh, by running good routes and being on the same page with Derek Carr. Uh, but I would suspect that, that that's going to start earlier. And I do expect it to continue. I think Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards are, are two really good young football players that um, are, are starting to put it all together. And I don't see that stopping anytime soon. Man, this AFC West is loaded with quality quarterbacks and quality receivers, young receivers specifically, uh, which is fun to watch, but also kind of maddening to watch um, throughout the season. Let, let's shift gears and talk about the offensive line, because obviously I, I don't think anybody was really surprised that they moved on from Trent Brown, but I think a lot of people were surprised that they moved on from Rodney Hudson and Gabe Jackson. Uh, I know Denzel Good is hurt as well right now, but what can you tell our listeners about the interior of the offensive line and how they've gone about uh, replacing Hudson and Jackson in particular? 
Yeah, and also Richie Incognito is hurt. Uh, not quite sure when he's going to be back. Yeah. Um, you know, when you look at, uh, you know, take a step back uh, to the offseason of when the Raiders made some of those decisions, obviously Trent Brown, they just weren't getting their uh, their bang for the buck. Uh, he played right. 16 games uh, out of the 32 that he was eligible to play. Um, his first two years here got paid a lot of money to do that. And uh, the Raiders were not going back down that road. And even with Alex Leatherwood, you know, um, not, I guess you could say struggling, but, but growing as a player, uh, it wasn't going to happen overnight for him. What sure. they do like is that he's out there game in and game out, uh, even playing through an injury uh, this week or last week, you know, he, his availability is really critical to them. But when you look at, you know, on the surface, you're like, why would you trade Rodney Hudson? Why would you trade Gabe Jackson? And it's, it's nonsensical from just strictly a logical standpoint. But when you dig a little bit deeper, um, you know, the Raiders offensive line last year uh, was the highest paid offensive line in the NFL. It was projected to be the same exact this year with those two players um, mm-hmm. staying and, and also Trent Brown. Uh, then you look at, okay, um, you know, the Raiders had all kinds of holes on defense. They needed to get that fixed um, and they needed to get money, figure out a way to make it work under the salary cap. And, 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 you know, where I'm headed with that is, you know, that salary cap went down for the first time ever <laughs> um, right. in, in NFL history, really down to $180 million, which I think was about 17 million less. I got to go look at it again than what it was just last year. Okay. So instead of going up, which it t- tends to do every single year, um, it went down considerably. So now you had to scramble to get to that point, just to that point. Um, and to put that in perspective, when you're a general manager, when you're a head coach and you're signing players to contracts, you're also forecasting the future, always with the knowledge the salary cap will go up next year. It'll go up the year, next, the year after that. It will go up the year after that and so on and so forth. So in reality, that salary cap didn't just go down by what it was last year. It also fell from what it was projected to be going into this year, if you were thinking about it two years ago. So it was probably going to be in that twenty, you know, uh, uh, two hundred and fifteen million dollar range. It goes all the way down to one hundred eighty million dollars. So hard wow. decisions are going to have to be made as a result. And so that's where the Raiders went. Those were two high paid uh, offensive linemen that were getting on the other side uh, of, of of the mountain uh, in terms of the age. And so for them knowing that they had to pay Colton Miller, knowing that they wanted unique and Gakwe and, and to go out and get a Casey Hayward, et cetera, et cetera. And some of the other defensive linemen that they were able to go get, that was where they had to go find that money under the cap. And, you know, it's not anything. And John Gruden has told me this face to face, not anything that I really wanted to do. You don't wake up one day saying, Hey, we'll be a better team without Rodney Hudson right. <laughs> and, and Gabe Jackson. It's the reality of the NFL. And so uh, it was a hard, hard decision that they had to make. And in a lot of ways, they're feeling the ramifications of that of, of those decisions, but in their um, the, the way they look at it, it, you know this this young group of offensive linemen, and you, and if you look at it from left to right, it's Colton Miller, a veteran, and then just a bunch of young guys uh, to the to the right of him right now, especially with Richie, obviously with Richie Incognito out. So they got to get that squared away. Uh, they're feeling it. They're not playing great uh, as a unit whatsoever. Uh, they showed a little bit of uh, growth, I thought, in the second half uh, against the Miami Dolphins. They need that to continue. Uh, but, you know, it's 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 going to be, um, uh, you know, I wouldn't say necessarily a struggle, but it's probably going to be a bit of an issue all season long. Well, it's going to be an interesting battle in particular this week because the Chargers have really struggled against the run. Some of that is by design. Some of that's by a lack of personnel. 
Um, and the Raiders, you know, it, it, you know, according to DVOA rankings and pro football focus, have struggled to run the ball. So it is going to be in, an interesting matchup there. Do you think that specifically, you know, meaning the, the Raiders rushing attack, do you think that's more of a get right game for them? Or do you think the Chargers will be able to kind of maybe uh, handle some of their business better this week in that regard? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I know that the Raiders are going to have an intent uh, to, to do that. Uh, but, you know, if the, if the Chargers come out and just kind of sell out in that regard and say, this is going to be our get back on track game, uh, stop yeah. the run. The good news for the Raiders um, and, and John Gruden is they have all sorts of options to go to uh, to offset that. And, you know, I don't think that he loves having to throw the ball as many times as they have. Uh, but it sure is nice to know um, if you have to play that card, you've got a quarterback that can handle it and a whole bunch of weapons that teams are having a lot of problems matching up with on a, on a uh, play-by-play basis. Yeah, of course, one of those players is Darren Waller, who I think you know has a legitimate argument with Travis Kelsey as best tight end in the league. Um, I want you to put your kind of your opposing defensive coordinator hat on for a second. How would you go about trying to slow down Darren Waller? Is it as simple as like double teaming him? Or what would you kind of suggest to the Chargers this week if you if you had the chance of trying to slow down Darren Waller? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, obviously double teaming him, uh, but not necessarily showing that right off the bat, um, you know, uh, playing your way into a double team, you know, disguising things, uh, trying to lure uh, Derek Carr, who's, you know, smart as a whip so it's hard to do that with him but lure him into you know uh, you know seeing something that's not really happening uh and then making him pay for that um so that's that's where i would start off uh with uh but the problem with all that now uh anyway is that (laughs) you know the the raiders are saying okay go for it you know if that's what you want to do that's fine um it just opens up the field for guys like hunter renfro and brian edwards and, and henry ruggs and also foster moreau they run a whole bunch of, um, you know, uh, heavy tight end sets, multiple tight end sets, 13 personnel, 23 personnel, 12 personnel. So, you know, um, you're just going to take a chance. You have to, though. I mean, there's really no other uh, – you can't single cover him because he will destroy anybody. He, he, he's, he's bigger than everybody. He's faster than everybody. I'm talking about, you know, the, the defensive players that, that he's going against. Right. Um, he jumps just as high. He's got great hands. He's got great catch radius. He can run, um, you know, so he's strong. So uh, he, he's like a basketball player at times where he could box out. Um, so if you're, if you're going to single cover him, uh, Derek Carr has no qualms about, you know, feeding him uh, as many. You, you saw the 19 targets in the opening game. It was a little too much. And I thought they tried to force it a little bit um, uh, and it kind of hurt him a little bit. But it kind of it just does show you that Derek Carr is like, all right. I mean, if you, that's what you're going to do. Right. I'm, I got I'm, I'll throw it at the eight, to 83 uh, all, all night. And, and if they're connecting. When, you know, with that kind of volume of, of targets, it's going to be one of those 198-yard games for, for a Henry Waller or for, for a Darren Waller. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be really interesting to watch. They had, they had The Chargers had Michael Davis going up against uh, Travis, Travis Kelsey quite a bit on Sunday, uh, which was pretty surprising given the fact that they have Derwin James back there. So um, it is going to be interesting to see what Brandon Staley cooks up this week for sure. In that mode, uh, it's, of course, time to talk about Gus Bradley and the defense for the Raiders. Of course, uh, Chargers fans are very familiar with uh, that defensive coordinator and a lot of the personnel for the Raiders defense. Um, but how has that been for that unit? Because I know 
Um, you know, the previous defensive staff was was not really living up to expectations. You know, Gus Bradley comes in as an attempt to try to bring some stability to the unit. Um, how are things going for Gus Bradley in Las Vegas for these days? Yeah, and it's not just Gus. Um, it's Ron Miles and Richard Smith, who he also brought with him uh, yeah. from, from the Chargers, the DB coach and the linebacker coach. And just a quick little story. Um, you know, when all that was going down, you know, I was in, I was talking to some of the candidates that were uh, involved that wanted the job that wanted the defensive coordinator job. Well, um, you know, when they, when they, you know, made the decision to go with Gus, I got a text from one of the candidates from one of the other defensive coordinator uh, candidates, who's now a defensive coordinator elsewhere. And he said to me, you know, Hey, they're, you know, Gus is going to be their guy and he's going to bring Ron Milas and Richard Smith with them. He goes, those two dudes, <laughs> All three of them are yeah. studs, you know, and, and uh, you're, you're going to see that. These guys are tremendous coaches. And so I just kind of filed that away. Uh, and I've really been, you know, especially during training camp and OTAs, just really f- kind of focused on those two guys and, and, and what they're bringing to the table in addition to um, uh, Gus. Uh, and it's, it's, there's no question that all three of them, along with Rod Marinelli now, um, you know, kind of buying in much more to what, Gus is trying to do than maybe the previous staff w- w- was doing. Um, and it's, 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 you can see the effect. And John Gruden told me a, a really interesting story. He's like, you know, when, when, when Gus Bradley is in here um, and by the way, he, he told me a great story going back to their Tampa Bay days. Um, you know, uh, Rod Marinelli leaves Tampa Bay to go become the head coach of the, uh, of the Detroit lions. That was mm-hmm. um, John's defensive coordinator. Uh, in Tampa Bay, and he brings Joe Barry, his son-in-law, with him. That was the that was the uh, Tampa Bay linebackers coach to Detroit. So, you know, John's like telling me, "We got Derek Brooks. You know, we've got a pretty damn good defense, and we, I can't just hire anybody to be the linebacker coach." They they brought Monty Kiffin becomes the becomes the defensive coordinator. They, right. they need a linebacker coach, and and you know somebody that could stand up to Derek Taylor or D- Derek Brooks and you know, that veteran group and, and, you know, not be a shy, not be a wallflower somebody that was going to be able to coach him up. And he's like, I must've interviewed 30 people from every level that you can imagine, you know, and uh, we were looking everywhere, NFL college, you know, and here comes this dude from North Dakota, Gus Bradley, who just blew him away. And he's like, I had to have that guy, you know, and, you know, ended up hiring him and the rest is history. John got fired a couple of years, about a year later, Gus goes to Seattle, does what he does there, and becomes the head coach at Jacksonville, then then, then the Chargers. And what he was trying to, you know, what he also added was that, look, when Gus Bradley, um, you know, uh, puts in his, you know, his his signature coverage to his assistant coaches, they're going to take it and go down and and coach it up to the players with a lot of conviction and belief. It's not going to be one of those situations where the coach leaves and he's walking out of the office, rolling his eyes like this isn't going to work, you know, like, and then go coach it with a, with a, uh, with a skepticism. There's a buy-in from Gus Bradley to Ron Miles and Richard Smith and Rod Marinelli. And it goes right on down to the players. And I got to tell you, I don't think that was the case the last couple of years with this Raiders defense. I think there was a disconnect all the way down the chain and it showed in how the Raiders played. Um, there was just, it just that didn't seem like anybody was connected. It didn't seem like anyone was truly buying in uh, and it affected them on the, uh, on the field. Well, it's the complete opposite now. And you could really tell that during practice. Um, I remember watching the, the, the Raiders against the Rams uh, during a, a couple of joint practices. And I was standing with some Rams people yeah. who had seen the Raiders just a couple of years before uh, up in Napa Valley, when they practiced against them, they're like, this is an entirely different team. This defense is buying into whatever Gus is trying to do. 
Uh, they're flying all around the field. Um, there's this is going to be trouble for some teams, and um, it's it's been the case. You know, they haven't been perfect. Um, you know, and and no team is, but it's night and day uh, from last year to this year with this defense. I'm doing a story on the secondary. They've got, you know, Casey Hayward is a second rank. Uh, cornerback in the NFL by Pro Football Focus. Will that hold up? I don't know, but right now it is. Uh, Nate Hobbs, the rookie, is the ninth ranked or the eighth ranked uh, cornerback in the NFL. Trayvon Mullen is in the 20s, um, which is great for your three starting cornerbacks to be within the top 25 or so at, at, at your position. Uh, he's got Jonathan Abram, uh, you know, playing good football right now. Uh, Trevon Morig was great, you know, graded out uh, his best performance coming off the Miami game. Uh, so he seems to be settling down. Um, Denzel Perryman's playing like a madman right now. K.J. Wright, Corey Littleton's playing good. Unique Ngagwe, Max Crosby, two of the highest ranked defensive ends in the NFL. So it's just like, you know, and I know Raider Nation is just like kind of, in disbelief right now uh, <laughs> I, I tried yeah. to report it like what i was seeing like hey this looks pretty good you know this looks totally different than last year and it was like oh you know it's the it's the positivity of, of training camp everybody's good but the i was preseason like, oh. hype yeah yeah and that sometimes happens no doubt about it but it did look different and uh it sure has looked different in the first three games whether they keep it up we're gonna find out yeah, that's that's always the question with every with every team, right? But you know, I have to say, you know, Ron Milas was one of our favorites here for yeah. for quite a while. Um, you know, of course, you know, stuck around for two coaching staffs, and it, you know, it never really felt like they were giving him much to work with. Of course, some of that is health. You know, Jason Red being hurt constantly mm-hmm. definitely did not help. But he really made you know lemonade out of lemons every single year with the Chargers secondary, um, and so you know that the Raiders secondary has some talented pieces and. You know, I, I figured that the Raiders secondary at least would kind of overachieve because Ron Miles is really such a, a very good coach and he's a great, yeah. you know, secondary coach and he's just awesome what's it, at what he does. Yeah, there's no question about it. He said something really funny. It's funny talking to the players because, um, you know, if you watch, and I know you have, but if you, if for anyone who hasn't, if you watch Ron Miles on the practice field, he's kind of got that um, old school, like, like the principal you know, uh, walking around, you know, uh, during lunch with the, with the bullhorn, you know, like he, you know, and, and a, you know, that he loves yeah. you deep down. He loves you, man, but don't cross him, <laughs> you know, don't right. end up in his office, you know, cause then it's going to be trouble, you know, cause you don't want, and, and it's somebody that you just don't want to disappoint. Um, you could feel that from the players to him. And he kind of has that, um, he has that persona ab- about him. And, you know, the players, like, uh, I forget who, who it was. I think it was Amik Robertson said, he probably thinks that I hate when he yells at me, but I actually love it. You know, I want to be coached like that. Like, he doesn't think that I really like it, but I actually do. And and everyone's kind of uh, in that same, they, they, they love him, they respond to him, they understand that he's got their back um, and that he drives a hard bargain and he sets a standard and you better not deviate from it. Uh, and they're certainly playing like that. And just to hear him talk about it, like, look, you know, what I try to tell these guys is, you know, I want you to have fun. He goes, but it's it's somewhere between it's not quite jail, but it's also not a country <laughs> club. So somewhere in yeah. between is where we need to be, you know, between those two extremes. Um, and right now it just seems like they've found that comfort level uh, because that group's really playing well. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, you know, there's definitely a rivalry, right? But I think it's better when both teams are good. Yeah, and it's it's been a long time since both of these teams have been good. So I'm very excited to see how this all pans out. You know, it being the Monday night game only adds to that. So 
Uh, we'll get you out on out of here on this, Vinny. What is kind of your you know expectations for this game, and who do you think is going to win ultimately? Um, I still haven't quite uh, gotten to who I think is going to win. I want to see um, a, a little bit more of who who comes back this week for the Raiders, especially like Josh Jacobs and and guys like that. Um, yeah. But I, you know, I think it's going to be a great football game, and you know, I, I've been trying to warn you know my listeners and my readers uh that the Chargers are a really good team and I think they're only going to get better uh playing under a coach that I really really respect uh in Brandon um and 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 everyone that he's brought to the staff and obviously Justin Herbert is just lights out um you know and and he's got enough weapons uh to to really do a, a lot of damage Keenan Allen is somebody that chews up the Raiders typically we'll see you know what it looks like with this improved secondary and improved pass rush so I'm not quite sure where it's all headed as far as who's going to win a game um, but I think it's going to be a uh, a really good entertaining football game um, well it'll be interesting to see what SoFi Stadium looks like I think we'd be naive uh, to, to to not assume that it's going to be a Raiders crowd um in terms of percentage i think the key is going to be what's the disparity in terms of the percentage with raider fans and 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 charger fans i felt a lot better for the chargers when i heard that it looked like the dallas game at least from what i was told was about a 55 45 uh, ratio cowboys fans to charger fans to me that's progress for the chargers yes um you know the cowboys have a strong strong foothold in southern california they've practiced there for years and years in training camp so there's a big uh, fan base uh, of Cowboys. So I, I was I was thinking it was going to be worse. Um, you know, kind of happy for the Chargers that, you know, it, it looked a little bit better than that. But it is the Raiders, and uh, we all know that they have yeah. a, a huge, huge following in Southern California. So right. um, it could get out there. <laughs> and if it does, that's only going to benefit the Raiders because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a, a real road game feel for the Chargers in, in every way that you know, fans can make an impact uh, and while also helping the Raiders. So that could play a factor uh, as well. But um, but I, I'm expecting a really good football game. Yeah, football-wise, it'll be a great game. And, and, you know, both sides right now on Twitter are, oh, the Raiders are going to crush it. The Chargers are going <laughs> to crush it. It's like we've we've been down this dance. Even when one team is bad and one team is really good, it's always a great game. It's always contested. Usually comes down to the last minute. So on the field, I, I do expect that. Um, I was actually at the Cowboys game and I do agree it was, it was, you know, about as close to 50, 50 from my perspective as it could have been, which was, you know, a massive, massive victory for the chargers. We'll see how it is on this day, you know, specifically being like a Monday night game, you know, it could definitely swing more towards the Raiders, like a 60, 40 thing. But I think, you know, that is what it is at this point. It's going to take the chargers more years of winning more years of being consistent than to really build up the fan base. And I think that's not really something that a lot of people talk about is just kind of the, the necessary time it's going to take for them to build the fan base the way that they want. Well, I was, I was definitely there, um, you know, for many, many years. And uh, I, I do subscribe to that theory as well. Um, My question to you is, uh, where is San Diego fitting in all this? I mean, um, when I see that there's, you know, 50%, 45%, uh, Charger fans uh, at SoFi Stadium. I'm wondering where the breakdown was from their uh, LA fan base, their Orange County fan base, but also their the Charger fan base. I'm yeah. hoping, I'm hoping, you know, just from a from a human standpoint, I'm, I'm hoping because I, you know, I've done so many stories about this type of thing, and I travel all over the place. And you know, when you go to a place like Green Bay or Minnesota, let's say, 
you know, it's not just Minneapolis that's supporting the Minnesota Vikings. It's the, you know, Nebraska, Wisconsin, yeah. there's parts of Wisconsin, there's parts of Illinois. There's, you know, there's, there's people drive over well over a hundred miles to go see teams play, you know, um, that are in their, you know, kind of, uh, kind of region, I would say right. to me, I mean, if, you know, maybe things could have been handled a lot better, uh, early on, uh, but, um, you know, it's only a hundred miles. I know living in Los Angeles, that's two orbits away when it go, comes to San Diego and Los Angeles and some of the right. <laughs> feelings, but I would hope that, that some of the San Diego fans, uh, would be willing to kind of come back on board, uh, and support this team and make a drive that a lot of people make all the time to go see their favorite team teams play. Is that, is it safe to say that that's happening or no? <laughs> It's definitely getting better for sure from what I've seen. One of the San Diego radio stations, which was uh, pretty openly not covering the Chargers and like rooting against them, has now gotten a couple Chargers featured shows on their station. Um, so it's improving. You know, Kenneth Murray was at a high school football game last Friday representing the Chargers in San Diego. So it, it definitely is improving. It seems like some bridges are, are being, you know, repaired. Um, I know that, you know, there's definitely been some holdover from some fans, um, but it, it's getting better, which is, is a good thing. And I think the Orange County uh, fans is, are kind of the ones who are holding down the fort most right now. Um, but the San Diego crowd is slowly coming back, which is, is, you know, great for the team. And the more fans, the better, obviously. But um, it's, it's been a slower build than I think people have wanted. But I think Justin Herbert and Brandon Staley are going to really bring more people back to the fold, um, you know, sooner rather than later. Yeah, uh, it's going to take winning. Um, it's going to take, yeah. you know, putting an entertaining team out there. And it's going to take time. Uh, I, I say this all the time. Fans are born, bred, lured, um, reeled in uh, every day, every hour of the day. Um, so there's, there's a lot of kids right now in the Los yeah. Angeles area, Orange County area, um, who are now growing up with the chargers, uh, as you know, the, the team in their region. So they're going to, they're going to grab, um, you know, as, as the years go on, they're going to, they're going to grab their fair share uh, of those fans. And, and hopefully, um, it'll, it'll even out because I think that's what the NFL, um, should be all about. And I think, you know, for the players themselves, uh, that's what they deserve as NFL players is to have support. So, uh, I'd like to see it, uh, become, you know, uh, or, or, for, or just for the chargers to be able to carve out their niche, uh, yeah. there in, in that part because I think it makes everything much more fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm sick of the whole, like, does LA ever have Chargers fans narrative? So it would be great if we can make that happen in this game. If it's 60-40 Raiders, I think that's probably considered a win for the Chargers at this right. point. Um, so anything, anything more than that for Raiders is going to be a disappointment, but um, anything better than that is going to be huge for the Chargers. And uh, Vinny, this has been great, man. I know I kept you longer than I said I would, so I appreciate all the intel. All the stories have been fantastic. Uh, what do you have coming up on your show? What can uh, Chargers fans tune into this week? Well, um, we have we actually have Bill Plaschke from the uh, LA Times coming on our show today, which is uh, 4 to 6 uh, p.m. Um, uh, and if you can't catch it on uh, Tuesday night, uh, there's always the podcast version. Uh, go to all iTunes and all that uh, stuff for the uh, for the podcast version of it. Uh, but we're definitely, and I'm, you know, I'll be talking to um, uh, some of the Charger beat writers uh, in Los Angeles uh, about their impressions of what they've seen so far from the Chargers uh, and their thoughts on on this game. So throughout the week, we're going to have definitely a um, uh, a heavy you know Charger presence 
in terms of what they expect to see on Monday night. Well, awesome. Looking forward to that coverage. Looking forward to the conversations. And can't thank you enough for joining us today, man. Have a good one. All right. You, you too. And thank you for the invite. Yeah. Happy. To- this is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.